Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Hi, Creagetarians. Welcome back. Today, we have a review on iTunes from Typical Outlayer. They write, wow, it's nice to hear a pair of yoga professionals talk shop in such a way that it's interesting, entertaining, and I feel like they're not talking above my head. Yoga discussion without condensation. Yes. Thank you, Typical Outlayer. Yay. Thank you, Typical Outlayer. That's awesome. All right. What's our topic today, Kim? We're going to talk about what we say matters and the life-changing word. So, you know, oftentimes we just kind of get talking along in our dialogue and we're saying stuff and we don't really think about our word choices Mm -hmm. and that our word choices have a big energetic impact um, on anyone that they actually land on, including ourselves. And it makes me think about satya, truth. And do you consciously hold back speech that will be harmful? So I think like remaining aware of our speech is really difficult. Mm -hmm. Do you find that for yourself? I do. As you said that, you were like, do you, do you consciously (laughs) hold back truths that can be harmful? I'm like, not always. (laughs) I try, but not always. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be hard because in the moment you Feel the urge to express yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I come from Eastern European background and, um, you know, often it's uh, the first or the loudest person in the room wins the conversation and it's heard Mm -hmm. and uh, very passionate and anger is done. So, you know, those kind of hateful, angry words can fly out Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're supposed to just be okay and done with it. And I had, when I opened my business, I was maybe four or five years into the business and um, I had one of my employees invite me to a nonviolent communication workshop (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, it changed my life and I was very grateful for her uh, courage to suggest that I should attend it with her Um, because she knew my intention wasn't, um, you know, to be violent in my word choices, but, um, but I did, you know, need a lot of cleaning up on it. And in our yoga community, uh, Judith Lassiter has written a book, um, with Ike about what we know, what we say matters. Mm -hmm. And Judith says in that book, my words reflect my thoughts, my thoughts reflect my beliefs and my belief, especially the unexpected ones run the world. And it's difficult to stay in the moment, um, when we have thoughts uh, which are, are, you know, our brain's movement and uh, their manifestation of our being. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it, but it's not who we actually are. So our thoughts, I think of the thoughts more like uh, superficial and who we actually are is kind of deeper in there. It's, it's the quietest voice in our minds is where we actually live. Right. Right. 
so we're kind of underneath the surface. I mean, we can see it if we're practicing. I, I see that, like, if I'm in the right zone, I can see that, you know, the angry person in traffic or the, the I, I thought this recently, I was at um, the Social Security Administration's office getting Jeff's Social Security number, and the guy was just really, the clerk there was really unhappy and short. And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, he has to deal with the public and um, probably a variety of different populations. And so I could really empathize with him as to why he was that way. But if I hadn't have been in that mindset of seeing that and recognizing that, I could have seen easily seen myself just being a jerk right back. You know, mm-hmm. being like, this guy is being um, not nice. And so he deserves not nice back. And I yeah. think we can, we can do that even without even thinking about it. <laughs> we just got to give back whatever we're whatever vibe we're getting. And it really takes being conscious of, oh, that's not who that person really is. I'm sure that person is really nice after work, you know, <laughs> when, or, or when they're doing what they love or in some way, you know, it's not, a, but we often do take that as a statement on the whole person. Yeah. You know, you're talking about your incident in the social security office and it's making me think about the most difficult time for me is standing in the TSA line and remembering that the TSA agents are human beings. Right. Um, because you're, you know, you're, even though you're going someplace you want to go, there's a little bit of stress now in, in, um, in flying. And so you're standing in line kind of rushed, hoping that you don't get delayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're invading your, what you feel is your privacy and your physical space to do their job. Um, and really you just want to get to your destination. And sometimes it's really difficult, um, for me, like I have to step back and go, okay, this person's doing their job. I want Mm -hmm. them to do their job. Um, can I look them in their eyes? Can I have friendly conversation and, you know, not just be annoyed with the whole thing? Well, and I'm sure it's much easier to do. Like if you're on time and you have time to get to your flight, (laughs) you're going to be able to do that a lot easier than if you're running late already. And then then them pulling you aside is a huge inconvenience. And it seems like a personal attack. Yeah. Much more. And in reality, in that situation, because I've been on both sides of that, I totally identify with you. Um, It seems more personal that they're more annoying when the underlying cause is that I came late. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like if I had gotten there earlier, I wouldn't feel that agitation. So really the fault is kind of, um, or I'm not saying for you, but when I've been in those situations, the fault is probably really on me for not getting there earlier. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Especially when um, I have a morning flight, like you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it. <laughs> right. And then, but then, you know, the ag- it's, it's even more easy to be agitated mm-hmm. with them when the fault is really kind of on me <laughs> because I didn't, um, you know, get there earlier, anticipate a little extra whatever. So that's, that's very interesting. I like that. <laughs> And we could also look at this even on the other end, you know, we just spoke about speaking, but we could also look at it as listening. So when someone asks a favor of you and it isn't something that you really want to do, um, say, like you can say, for example, it's not high on your needs list. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, you, you know, how are you open to shifting your mind a little bit? So when, 
um, someone says, hey, will you do me this favor? Can you help me out? Um, and if it's not something you don't want to do, perhaps you explore that a little bit more. And there's maybe a portion that you could help them out with, or maybe it doesn't work for you at that time. So um, you can always say to that person, um, thank you, and ask them to tell you more specifically, um, you know, what exactly um, is it that I'll be doing? Uh, what or what was the? Let's say they even said something hurtful toward you, towards you. You could ask, you know, what's the cause of that? Where's it? Where's it coming from? Because if someone gives you a judgment um, or an irritation about your behavior, sometimes you know we can translate and translate that into um, please. And uh, so, an example on that one might be. Uh, I did something to someone that upset them and I apologize. And rather than accepting my apology, um, they go into their story and Mm -hmm. that story could start to be hurtful to me. And instead of then getting in, you know, like a pissing match back and forth with words, perhaps since I'm listening now and I'm on the receiving end of that, I could say, thank you. I hear your fear or thank you. I hear your concern, which again, doesn't make it so personable and so hurtful, but it also validates to the other person that I'm, I'm hearing this from you. And, um, you know, some oftentimes we're the ones that have started it with our own choice of vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can kind of look at that. So you're saying like with listening, um, maybe listening a little more with intention. So in, when somebody asks you something, instead of just saying yes, and then being resentful later because yeah. you said yes, but you really did. But but listening with intention, well, what exactly is it that you need or want done so that then you can take responsibility for what you're willing to do and maybe asking follow-up? Yeah, you know, um, exactly. Because um, my, for example, my brother uh, has a daughter and, and she's a young adult. And so there's, they're trying to figure out their, um, adult, adult relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's moving a little bit. And, um, for example, if as an adult, there aren't as many rules as when they're under 18, right? Right. But there are some implied things. And so, uh, some vocabulary might be, um, hear how afraid I was when you didn't come home last night. And I, I expected that you would come home. When you're a young adult, sometimes you don't come home, right? You stay over at a friend's right. house, you do things. Um, but still, as a parent, you have that fear of, oh my gosh, what happened? Where were they? I expected them to still be in their bed uh, mm-hmm. when I woke up and that kind of thing. So yeah, you know, just um, being curious about the conversation, hearing the emotions of the other person and not taking them so personally. Right. Because then it's not a judgment of you didn't follow my rule. It's a, an understanding more of, um, oh, they have this rule for a reason. Like, because, it, because this, they're scared or whatever. Like, really addressing the underlying reason instead of just the, the intent or the purpose, I guess. Or, you, instead of it just being the judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's it, like, an underlying feeling associated. There is. And you had mentioned, you know, for going to uh, 
the airport to fly mm-hmm. times that we get there the two hours like they suggest gives us plenty of times to go time to go through everything comfortably even if there are extra screenings mm-hmm. versus the times when we don't right show right. up and you can even think about the same thing with friends right if I'm going to meet you for lunch and I'm the friend that always runs late uh, you know that person starts to get agitated mm-hmm. versus being comfortable, but really that agitation is, you know, fear, afraid, you have no idea what I went through to even get here at this time. And so if we can have more compassion and um, see it beyond what's actually happening, you know, that vulnerability allows us to connect more with each other and have more compassion and unity. Oh, I, I like that. And I like the idea of seeing the bigger picture. Like you really kind of hit the nail on the head because even with the um, airport scenario, you know, I may hate getting to the airport two hours early because it's not fun. Oh, <laughs> hello, Jessica. <laughs> um, because it's not fun, you know, with the two hours of waiting, <laughs> you know, nobody likes to wait at the airport. But if I can wait more relaxed versus the frenzy that I experience because I'm irritated and agitated and rushed, then it seems to me that it would be worth it to, yeah. to have that because at least those two hours are relaxed. But it's having that ability to see the bigger picture. So same thing with the friend who's running late, to be able to see the bigger picture, to be more compassionate, and maybe even for that person to see the bigger picture that it's annoying to have to wait, <laughs> to wait for someone. Well, years ago, my uh, the, and I was new in starting my business, and I started getting cranial sacral work um, from a local practitioner. And you know, I was like, "Well, I have to do this, and I have to do that." And oh my gosh, my schedule's so full, right? So I was in my story, and she said, "Do you have to, or do you get to? Do you have the opportunity to?" Right. And I was like, "Wow, that really shifted that for me." Mm-hmm. You know, I choose to live a full life. Mm-hmm. I have that opportunity. So I think word choice really matters. Uh, Marshall Rosenberg's philosophy in, in communication, he, he once said, people heal by having an authentic connection with a, an authentic human being. And his philosophy of communication is speaking in a way that all members can live in dignity and freedom without destroying each other's chances of livelihood, society, or culture. And you and I had talked about this earlier, you know, how sometimes you're on Facebook and you see people just really lashing out with their words. Mm-hmm. And are you thinking about that person's livelihood? Because a lot of businesses are on Facebook. A lot of uh, businesses check their employees' feeds Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, what you're throwing out there, um, in that triggered moment for you could really quite, quite a bit of harm for that person. So practicing, uh, self-empathy when thoughts of anger arises and to think of someone you view, uh, as an enemy and then imagine holding an empathetic conversation with them. And you can do this even in a business meeting by giving silent empathy to the individuals across the table from you. Mm -hmm. So before you lash out with words, 
um, you know, sit there and have some empathy. You know, what's going on with that individual? Think about what stories you repeat and give yourself empathy so that the next time you hear someone repeating a story that you've heard, you can stay with them rather than pull away and go into your own story about what's happening. I like that. I think that that takes a great deal of self-discipline and and a little introspection, um, which I think we, we already kind of established at the beginning, right, isn't always easy to do. So it's sometimes it's really easy when you can go through TSA and, and see them as a person. And sometimes it can be really challenging, either because of a reason of your own story. You're late, right? So that's your story. <laughs> you're running late and they're making it difficult for you. Um, so it can be harder to, to take that step back. And so what you're, you're suggesting and that you're saying that, um, Marshall Rosenberg suggests, you know, is, is taking a step back to consider everyone. And that takes a little bit of discipline and it takes a little forethought and planning. And I, and I think that that can, um, I think it can be a challenge. I think it's a good challenge, but I think it can be a challenge for people. It does. You know, sometimes when I have to have really difficult conversations, um, I don't do them immediately. Mm-hmm. I need a period of time. And I have had people on my teams before criticize me because, you know, you're taking too long. But sometimes I need 72 hours to even a week to digest what happened to you know, see, gosh, what are my triggers, you know, because I really do want to blame and, you know, get nasty and gossip and, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to do all those things. Um, And that stuff needs to go in my journal so I can get it out of my system. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or or a yoga kriya, right? To switch Uh that energy. But I I always ask myself before I go in, like, do I still want to sit across the table from the person? And if I do, I'm not ready yet. I still need to do some self-work. And if I'm ready to sit next to that person, okay, now I can sit down and have that conversation and be grounded and we'll probably get somewhere. But if I'm still in that sit across the table, you know, where's that going to get us? Mm -hmm. And so taking the time that I need to um, get there. Some of my friends say Kim has a delay. (laughs) <laughs> she she needs the delay. No, but I think I think that that's good. So I think that that's good for a number of reasons. So you brought up the Facebook thing. Like I I think that um, it is part of our culture to react and to react instantly. Like that's very much a part of our culture. Like what's what's your hot take on this? Like instantly, we want to know. So I think that that's that's important um, because it is it is really part of our culture right now. As soon as something happens, then you know we want everybody's opinion on it. Um, I also think that when it comes to big things, like you were saying, when there's something big, when you have to have a difficult discussion or a difficult talk, or you, you know, those big things happen to take the time. I think, as you were saying that, that's a really great place to start practicing because we can't always be in the moment when we're in the TSA line and we're frazzled and running late and you know we might not think to practice it then we might start with practicing it for the big things so this is a big deal I need to have I need to think about this and and come at it from a place of love or kindness or compassion or empathy but when we start to practice those for the big things it can start to get smaller and smaller 
So when we start to make these practices um, for larger things, I think then it'll bleed into, well, maybe I don't need to give my hot take on Facebook on, <laughs> on what this means to me. Or maybe I could sit with this for a minute before I make a decision. But I think sometimes it might be it might be the bigger thing that triggers it first to get you in that mindset before you get to the little things. Um, for me personally, when I think about um, nonviolent communications and you know just in general what we say matters, um, I'm I'm a big fan. Oh, hi, Jessa. I'm a big fan of the swears. <laughs> I I really like to use profanity. (laughs) (laughs) So I I catch myself occasionally, like obviously I I like it for emphasis. I I use it, but I try to use it in a way, and I don't know if this this falls into the nonviolent communication category or not, but I try to use it in a way of, you know, I don't use it for name calling and I don't use it directed at, people or individuals usually I try to keep it to scenarios (laughs) or situations (laughs) or inanimate objects (laughs) um but I I really it also goes to show because I, I I like it I think you know it emphasizes some things um and allows me to express myself in a way um that is maybe because it's got a naughty connotation to it to saying bad words or curse words or whatever you want to call them. Um, I think they can be helpful and cathartic when used properly. And I just, I wanted to get your, your opinion on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I well, don't want to give up swearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, as you know, I, I have a potty mouth. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I there is... There is purpose to well-placed swear word, right? It does help get a point across. Um, when I'm just notice that I'm swearing quite a bit, I notice that I'm in shame and I'm not choosing an, an appropriate dialogue to which I'm capable of. Um, so I, I'm kind of in a downward spiral at that point. But, um, you know, I, I definitely... I definitely can swear with the best of them. Matter of fact, I have a, um, the rebellious side of me has a, a red t-shirt with white lettering on it that I like to wear underneath a white blazer that says um, something like, you know, I'm educated, classy woman that says fuck a lot. Um, and sometimes I, you know, cause I gave up the suits a while ago. So when I got to put a suit on, that's kind of sometimes my rebellious thing that I'll have underneath there. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but you know, we're always communicating our words through speech, writing, body language, facial expressions, tone of voice, physical actions and thoughts. You know, all of those things are part of our communication. And we have a choice to create beautiful thoughts, speech and actions. Each time we communicate with each other, we can produce compassion, love, harmony, or we can produce more suffering and violence. It's really a choice. Communication is what we put into the world and it remains after we have left. And Tanya and I have really, you know, know this through our podcast. It's a different level of vulnerability, a different 
way to communicate and uh, work on our own speech problems, uh, patterns. So you can say that communication bears our signature, our personal signature. So by using compassionate speech today, it can help you heal the past, enjoy the present, and prepare the ground for a good future. Oh, beautifully said, Kim. I, I really like that. For those of our listeners that would like to know more about the practice of nonviolent communication, there's a couple of books um, and a couple of people that you can look up and look into. Um, what We Say Matters, Practicing Nonviolent Communication is by Judith Hansen Lassiter and Ike K. Lassiter. Um, the, is it Mitch, Michael Mitchell Rosenbaum? Marshall Rosenbaum, Rosenberg, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, I, he's the, he coined nonviolent communication, if I'm not mistaken. I listened to his audio book on the practice. Um, and then some further reading, The Four Agreements, which is a practical guide to personal freedom um, by Don Miguel Ruiz. And The Art of Communicating by Thiknat Han are all great um, resources for helping you with nonviolent communication or thinking about what you say and how it matters and the impact uh, that it has on others. One of the final thoughts, and Jess, I have some too. One of the final thoughts, uh, as you were saying, are... Um, our words, communication is what we put into the world. Um, not only as it bears our signature, but you said that it, it can remain after we have left. And I feel like that's really powerful. And it made me think of a quote by Maya Angelou, which is, you know, um, I'm going to kind of butcher it, but it just made me think about it. She's like, you know, people may not know what you said or what you did it's how you made them feel and I think well how you make them feel is often very closely related to what you said <laughs> and so um even though the exact words aren't there what you leave behind is how you made somebody feel and so why not make them feel good right <laughs> right <laughs> oh well this has been wonderful um as always find us on social media feel free to leave us a review on itunes and if you want to talk to us about ways in which you communicate non-violently we'd love to hear that too so we'll catch you next time thank you thank you for listening to where the lotus grows join us in further conversations we believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community you can find us at where the lotus where the Lotus grows on Instagram and Facebook or Twitter, where the Lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one. Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.